Good morning, folks. Hi, this is Nate. This is Ryan Clark. And this is Shannon. Welcome back to Touch Podcast. We are jumping back into our conversation about porn. In this episode, Shannon gives some special insight into why we seek out certain kinds of porn. And Nate makes an important personal connection in his porn use. Quick trigger warning, this episode includes a description of sexual abuse. I think that there's actually healthy masturbation for both single and married people. A lot of people get defensive and they assume that I'm promoting pornography. Mm. Like, where? why would you marry those two things together? Like, people were masturbating for centuries before pornography ever came down the pike in 1952 and Playboy magazine was made available to the public. But this generation never remembers a time where you didn't masturbate to porn. They just, they've married those two in their heads. Um, so... Huh. One of the things, like the, my, one of my first experiences with helping a woman overcome her addiction to porn was, I remember it was my very first women at the world workshop, uh, many, many years ago. And she had told me that the reason she was there was, um, her husband had a big problem with the fact that she was looking at porn. Uh, she had already accepted the fact that he was not willing to look at it with her because he had broken his addiction and didn't want to go back there. But she could waste hours, hours of valuable time looking for, you know, that next high and, you know, something a little bit more um, intriguing or perverted based on how you look at it or whatever. But I asked her, what are the words you put in your search engine to find what you're looking for? Because there's a million different types of porn. Um, and at first she was taken aback by the question, but it really is a necessary question to ask someone who's truly serious about figuring out why do I keep getting sucked back into this time and time again. So she admitted that it's threesomes that she's looking for. And I said, well, that that's one of the top five search engine words. And she said, but it's not like you're thinking. It's not, I'm not looking for two women and a man. I'm looking for two men and a woman. And I said, okay, well, I think that there's probably an explanation behind that. Uh, tell me more about you know, your growing up years and what you experienced as a child. And she told me that she had parents who were stoners who would close themselves up in their bedroom and just get high as a kite. And she had an older brother and a younger brother who shared a bedroom. And then she had a bedroom. And these, the kids' bedrooms were on the opposite side of the house as the parents. And it was when the parents would get high that her older brother would take her into their bedroom and molest her. And mm. her only hope of being rescued, she knew that her parents wouldn't hear her even if she yelled, but, he, you know, she knew that they, she also knew what they were doing in there and that they probably wouldn't be able to respond. And so her, she would lay there and fantasize about her younger brother wanting to come into his room to, to find a toy or whatever. And there was, she knew that there was a key under the baseboard outside the door. And so she would lay there while her older brother was molesting her and fantasize about the younger brother coming in and disrupting the cycle of abuse. Wow. So, Yeah. And so you can see how that translated into her adult years. She's still fantasizing about the same thing, except there's one dynamic that's totally different. And this is where the brain comes into play, how the sexual brain works. We're always looking to recreate a scenario, but when this time? To, to turn the, the tables and whatever power we lost, we try to regain through whatever we're fantasizing about. So in the pornographic images that she was seeking out, she wasn't looking for one woman being controlled by two men. She was looking for one woman 
who was controlling to Ben, that she was calling the shots, that somehow this storyline helped her compartmentalize her pain of being sexually abused long enough to experience the pleasure that she wanted to experience in order to have orgasm. And so it wasn't something that she was necessarily able to experience with her husband until she was ready to face her porn problem. And I asked her, I said, did you ever tell your parents that your brother was doing this to you? And she said, no. I said, have you ever told anyone that you were molested by your brother for years? No, that group was the first time she had ever verbalized those words. So as a result of her bringing what was in the dark into the light, she was able to recognize why she was doing what she was doing. Then she was able to be honest with her husband about what she needed, which was basically she needed to feel in control. She needed to be on top, not on bottom. She needed to be able to, to, you know, kind of call the shots and tell him what she wanted. She, she wanted to feel in control so she could reclaim that power that she lost. But she might not have ever known that if she hadn't come to the workshop and was ready to face her porn addiction. I think that people hide their pain in their porn addiction. They, they use porn to medicate emotional pain that they just aren't ready to face. Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's what, how did her, do you know how it, how it worked out with her husband? How did that resolve itself? Was she, she go home and tell her husband, Hey, this is what's really going on. Well, it's, it was very insightful for him to hear her say, this is not about you not being enough for me. Cause that's what he was assuming. Right. Right. I mean, it's the same thing that women assume when men are looking at porn. He doesn't think I'm pretty enough. He doesn't think that I'm sexy enough. He needs to look at other women. That's that's often not the case. And it certainly wasn't the case with her. It wasn't that she didn't love him. It's that he had this way of dominating her in the bedroom, assuming that that's what she wanted and needed, and it wasn't. So for them to be able to bring this out into the open and for her to explain to him not just what she's looking at, and she had never even told him what she looked for, um, that you know what she was looking for and why and what it was rooted in. Then he was able to adjust his approach to her and be like, "Hey, you know, do you want me to be your sex slave tonight?" You know, like that was a very different approach than, "Come on, woman, and let me get on top of you." And it just it was a completely different approach that she needed to relax and experience pleasure. Whew. That's a megaton bomb of insight there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how some guys are responding to that. Um, or women who, um, who've, who've kind of just held porn in one certain way. Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, but no, I, I was going to say, I mean, I could rattle off example after example after example of people who have done just that when they were willing to face their addiction when they were willing to confide in someone what they were searching out and, and and then retrace those roots back to why there's always a big epiphany at the end um so can i give another example that that was very helpful to a couple please yeah they they had come to me uh, his wife had just assumed that he was looking at porn because he wanted to look at younger, hotter women who were fitter than her, and she just didn't feel as if she could compete. Now, this woman was attractive, but she was middle-aged. Um, but still, I mean, she just was very upset and uh, was even considering divorcing him. 
And I asked him, what are the words that you put into your search engine to find what you're looking for? And yeah, he was just flabbergasted that I asked the question, but I told him we really can't get very far if you're leaving us to our own imaginations about what you're seeking out, because there's, there's a reason why you put the exact words in your search engine. And what I often will do is hand my laptop to my client and just say, if you can't say it out loud, just enter it, just type it in, just mm -hmm. type it in and then just show me. And what this guy put in was granny porn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh. This, no, no, there is. In fact, when you were saying something before about you know a porn star kind of like you know getting too old or whatever, and I'm thinking more like just shifting genres. <laughs> but but go ahead. Yeah, and I mean, I, I was I was shocked, but of course you know I keep a poker face. And what I want to know at that point is okay, tell me about your childhood experiences. You know, there's a reason why people search out the things that they do. And, um, you know, he just told me this gut-wrenching story about how his, his mom was a crack whore and, and left and then soon died. And um, that there was an older woman in the neighborhood that just recognized that he needed a surrogate mother. and just really took him under her wing and he would go there after school and she would, you know, bake brownies for him and help him with his homework and all of that jazz. And that they had just formed this really deep bond. So you can imagine in the absence of a, a nurturing mother figure, he formed a very deep bond with a much older woman. And so that's what he was trying to recreate is those feelings of comfort and security and familiarity. But his wife was like, what am I supposed to do with that? I'm younger than him. Like I can never, I can't compete with that either. And I told her, it's not that you need to compete. It's that he's looking for nurturing and comfort. And so I encouraged her, have him like lay across your lap and run your fingers through his hair while y'all are just sitting on the couch watching TV or whatever, or when you go to bed at night and like nurture him, sing to him, like do the things that you would do to a little boy and connect with that hurting little boy inside. And it was magical for their sex life. And, and I actually had him do it in my office. And you know, where he, she held him and ran her fingers through his hair and, and sang to him and tears started gushing from his eyes like a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was so what he had craved. So you can imagine that you're not going to feel that overwhelming sense of acceptance and bonding and connection through an image in a magazine or on the internet. This has to happen in real life with your real partner in order for you to really get the breakthrough that you need to have to break your addiction to porn. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey ladies, let me ask a few bold questions. What would it look like for you to become a sexually confident woman? Someone who loves touching and being touched with no guilt, shame, or inhibition? Are you ready to experience the kind of deep inner healing that could make that possible? Would you like to experience a passion for your husband like you've never had before? Or if single, would you like to make peace with your past and attract a truly healthy partner? If these questions pique your interest, then consider attending a Woman at the Well workshop with our very own Shannon Etheridge, yay! author of 22 books and relationship coach extraordinaire. Learn more by going to shannonetheridge.com and clicking the workshops link. Each four-day intensive is limited to 8 to 10 pre-screened participants, so act now and reserve your spot today. Excellent. Yeah, I, 
I I love this story so much, Shannon, because I I think you're also putting out there um, why some people can see there's a place for it, because when we don't have the language, when we don't have the terms um, available to us to that kind of meet us halfway there, like when you're saying, what do you write in your search engine? Um, those are the things that we're so ashamed to present. But when we when we put that honesty out there, it it helps bridge us to that deeper, intimate place. And I think what pornography has done um, is, you know, whether or not you see it as right or wrong, it is a access point of conversation. Um, there are categories in it that folks can refer to 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 talk about things that they're into or curious about, so they can have those deeper conversations of why they have them. And pornography has, if you look at that as something that equips us to discuss things, I think we can perhaps not look at it as a danger or see it as such a dangerous weapon, um, but kind of empower ourselves and strengthen ourselves to to be stronger than addictions and to to be responsible of, of or to really take more sexual responsibility. Um, and, and not get caught in the loop of doing this isolated, looking at things on the internet, but you're you're wanting to connect with real people in real relationships and yourself. Like that makes sense to me. And some folks need tools to get there. Right. So I, I certainly would never shame someone for looking at porn. I mean, my gosh, I don't know of a Christian on the planet that could honestly say that they've never intentionally sought out some sort of image just out of curiosity or wanting to experience the arousal or learn something or whatever. But I, you know, at the risk of sounding preachy, I totally agree when the Apostle Paul wrote that you're to be slaves to nothing, because I don't think that being a slave to something makes anyone feel good. Um, And yeah, that where the real healing and real power and real pleasure uh, comes breaking through is when we look beyond the quick fixes in the porn and we go deeper in our real relationships with, with the real people that can, that can be that source of unconditional love and acceptance and, and be a real partner in the process of producing pleasure and excitement and arousal. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the key. I mean, that's for a lot of people, you know, in, in our courtship process, as we're dating, we get married, we're always putting our best foot forward, whatever we think, you know, the ideal man or woman is supposed to be, we try to be that. And then we project whatever sexual person, like, you know, from whatever your tradition or your family background is, is supposed to be. And then to get to a point in your relationship where you realize, oh, can't well this person still love me and accept me if they know how what I really want or how I really feel or you know if I'm able to confess this pain that I have or this desire that I have um yeah I mean it makes a lot of sense that like we set up the our sort of a court one of my point is our courtship formula sets us up for um having this you know secret container that we don't tell our partner about that's a, a you know information about who we are um out of fear that 
um, damn, this woman's going to figure out, you know, I bamboozled her into marrying me, and I hope to God she doesn't figure out this thing about me, um, you know, which, you know, is that, you know, I, I'm sexually aroused by older women, or I'm, you know, I, whatever it might be that is the, our, you know, our search engine, our sex search engine results. <laughs> you know, I just found out why... I just found out what I put into my search engine and why, Shannon, just in listening to you talk. What? Are you willing to share? Uh, yeah. I mean, since you brought it up. <laughs> this is why we're not live, Nathan. If you go off a cliff, we don't have to include it in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've actually never thought about it before. And just hearing... This is another breakthrough I'm having with you in real time, Shannon. Um, folks, you should sign up to our workshop. She's, she's, workshop, she's awesome. Um, so as the type of stuff I would put in my search engine is, is, I think I mentioned it before, it's either women on wo- woman on woman or solo woman, right? And I thought that would make me just the, the biggest pervert, like, oh, just so ashamed to admit. It's like, oh, of course he's going to like that. He's just a blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, but it's really what I, what I admire and what intrigues me is when a woman is having a conversation of her, with herself of what she likes. And there's something about that just... Once I put a guy into that picture, it just... That conversation is not happening. Like, you know, and if... If when you're describing this woman with, you know, who, who's, who looked in her search engine with a woman with two men, um, I never saw it that way before where she was in power. And that well, I'm not not to say that oh now I can look at guy and girl porn now you know I'm not I'm not leading into that but it does reveal to me why I've had a hard you know wh- why I uh, well actually I don't know what else to say about it that that it just was re- revealing to me it that was very insightful you you helped me understand why I am looking at uh, when I have looked at woman and woman porn that I'm intrigued with the theological spiritual and philosophical conversation of a woman getting to know herself. And the, app, the, the implications of that in society and the zeitgeist as a whole. Like, I'm really into that subject. Um, and at first I thought I was just a guy who was into girl-on-girl porn. Um, when in actually, there, there's, a, there's a truth there that, um, that really intrigues me and excites me. And it, it, yeah, it drives me. It's fascinating. Well, I know that I've said it before on the show, but I'm going to say it again. It's just a reminder. If we make a list of our greatest pain in life, our disillusionments, our disappointments, our traumas, our tragedies, and we make a list of our most unconventional search engine words, our unconventional fantasies, whatever, those two lists are mirror images of one another. So, Nate, to hear you talk about how painful it was to have a sexless marriage with a wife who didn't know what she wanted, could not verbalize that to you, therefore never gave you the key to unlock the door into the room of intimacy that you longed to possess with her, I can totally see how you looking for images of women who totally know what they want, who who can verbalize what they want, I can see how that is an automatic medicator of that pain. That is the mirror image of your real life experience. And also, I think that lesbian porn is so commonly sought out because I think that, yeah, like one of these days I might write a book called The Lesbian in Us All, 
when we are born <laughs> into the world, the common drive that we all have is toward what? What do we come out of the womb searching for? Mama. Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Uh, like the first thing that a baby will do, their automatic reflexes is they're pursing their lips, looking for what? Looking for the nipple. It means survival. It's, it's, it's our, the suckling instinct is what God wired us with to make sure that we would come out hungry and wanting to attach to the source of life. And that is the breast. And that is the same for both men and women. And so the idea of being drawn to the breast and the hips we just have to remember a woman's hips is that's where we originated our first nine months of life it, you know life doesn't start when you're born life starts when you're conceived and we started between a woman's two hips and so it's like a craving to to go back to the place where we started type of thing i hear that what is it men or men spend nine months trying to get out of a woman's vagina and the rest of his life trying to get back in <laughs> 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 so anyway and again i'm not trying to prescribe lesbian porn i'm trying to just it, describe why people are generally drawn to it the search engines for lesbian porn and milfs and threesomes involving two women and a man those are the three most common and there's a psychological reason why so there you go Boom. Um, yeah, there you have it. America. Boom. We're just going to let her preach. We're just going to let her preach. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to put a little bow on top. Aren't we glad that we have a relationship with a God who is not just masculine? God is also feminine. The, the word, the Jewish word El Shaddai, in, 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 a descriptor of God, means many-breasted one. In other words... God is someone who can satisfy all of our cravings, all of our desires, but we have to be willing to take them to God and be patient and allow him to, to work out that sanctification process in us where we find the courage to connect with a human being that is satisfying and, and, and quells our longings. But if we take our curiosity and our, our cravings to the internet or to any type of pornography instead of to God or a counselor who can help us make sense of them, you can pretty much bet that it's probably going to result in a spiral down. Um, and, and, it, and it could potentially become a wedge between you and human intimacy. And I think, I just so believe that that is what we crave more than anything else is human intimacy, real intimacy, not false intimacy. That's a hearty amen. There's, there's a sermon right there. Which also means breast, by the way, the term amen. What? Shad, isn't it? It's there's it there's a deeper conversation with it, but there's a there is a root. That there's a commonality there. Um so that's yeah, we can get into that later. But yes, it there there is, and it's it corroborates with everything you're saying. It's it's the face of God that we don't normally associate with, um, as you know, growing up in Western conservatism. Uh, Christian America, and um, it's a very important face of God to understand the the sexual side, and and also I just want to be really clear here during this broadcast that what you're seeing, folks, is me and Ryan being a bit awkward with the subject of pornography because you know we're kind of guys we're awkward with this, 
and Shannon being a freaking firestorm of wisdom because women can hold this sexual wisdom many times better than men can. They're, they're just physiologically equipped to handle it and they're spiritually, there's, they have, they have a heart that they, they lead and give us an example for us to follow as men. And, and, but in this part, in this arena, I just have to say, in my experience, this is where women take the lead. This is where when men take the lead of this in church, it results to what we have right now. Um, but if, if we had a chance to let women lead and to set a, a tone of sexuality um, and we give them that space, I believe we can get to a better place. And, um, and I think our minds would be blown to hear what they have to say, exactly what you're feeling from Shannon right now. So you're, you're hearing, hearing a lot of holy wisdom from Shannon because I believe it's absolute true divine wisdom. And Ryan and I here, as the guys, we're allowing space for that and we're awkward in it. And I think we're modeling what those conversations should look like when you guys have them. Like when you're having these with really powerful, confident, sexual women, it will be awkward for you. And, and we don't need... We don't have to, you know, uh, close these conversations because we're afraid of them. This is why we stay open to them and we let this wisdom pour in and just see how we respond to this. Um, amen, Shannon. Wow. Thank you for the kind words of affirmation. I do want to say, guys, that um, on our last show or one of the last shows, when y'all confirmed that so oftentimes the full extent of the sex education that adult men get in church is don't look at porn. Uh, and like I had echoed that, you know, these, all these women were coming up to me after my talk saying, are you going to give the same talk to the men? And they, and then, you know, come to find out that someone's assessment of what all the men get is just don't look at porn. I wanted to clarify. I was not being, um, I was not intending to be like smarmy or sarcastic about that. Um, I just think that there's so much more to the conversation that should be had. And so I confer don't look at porn, but I also know that psychologically nature abhors a vacuum. And if all you're doing is white knuckling and trying not to look at porn to somehow starve your desires, it's probably not going to be nearly as effective as if you refrain from looking at porn and figure out why you've been looking at it all along or, or what you were looking for in the first place. So you can heal that wound, find a counselor that you trust or uh, go to a workshop or whatever it takes for you to, to make peace with the craving that's deep in your soul. Because until you understand that, doing what your pastor says and refraining from looking at porn altogether is only scratching the surface of the healing that really needs to take place. Yeah. Did that come out? Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. a that's oh a great gosh. word. I mean, I think white knuckling it is a good is a good way to phrase that because if you don't understand why, what your behavior is about, then you're not going to be able to develop long-term strategies to change it. Exactly. I I like to just mention one other part of my story um, regarding the white knuckling, um, because I, I shared something of what I did look at pornography and, you know, I, I got, I was addicted to pornography and I, I had some affairs like that is a part of my narrative. Another part of my narrative is becoming so afraid of my sexual energy that not only did I avoid porn, I would avoid um, uh, 
lingerie ads i would avoid all advertising i would avoid all tv because it started permeating into everything and and i would be deathly afraid to be um walking across the mall mall and and having to cross a victoria's secret store i would literally look at the mall maps find out where the victoria's secret store was and avoid it um it it got to a point where um i think i reached uh something that wasn't normal and um, I started to go on a healing journey to find my way back into my body. And I discovered another level of confidence that I could have. So, so I just wanted to paint that picture too. That white knuckling, um, if you, living a life of fear um, isn't exactly living a life of faith. You know, there's another step of confidence that can happen. That's all I want to say. Well, and the pendulum swing is some is an image that, I think that is always helpful in understanding our sexual desires. And Nate, because you felt as if your pendulum had swung too far to the left with you recognizing that you were addicted to porn and now it controlled you rather than you controlling it, I can see how your pendulum needed to swing equally as far to the right. Because you think about it, if you pull a pendulum back to nine o'clock, it's going to, and you let it go, it's going to swing to three o'clock. Okay. Right. And so you needed to go to that extra length to starve yourself for a season. But you're right, living in a constant fear and anxiety that you're ever gonna encounter anything that, that even remotely turns you on, like you'd literally have to become Grizzly Adams and live in a cave, you know? It, you, I do think that finding that healthy middle balance where you could just function in life and learn to bounce your eyes, as Fred Stoker talks about in Every Man's Battle, when it's something overtly sexual that you don't want to lust after, but you also are just comfortable in the world and can just operate and do the things that you need to do without building your whole life around, um, around avoiding certain stores or ads or, or whatever that I'm not saying that extreme isn't a healthy extreme for a season, but I don't think that any man would say that he wants to camp out there forever. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Is that, yeah, that there's probably going to be some people who misconstrue that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see what we'll see what sticks with this one, but um, but yeah, well, it for me it did get to the point where I was avoiding people, and that's when I knew it was too far. Um, did y'all see that movie? Um, Thanks for sharing. Yes, that's funny. You said that. I just pulled it up on my phone because I couldn't remember the title of it. What's it about again? Mark Ruffalo and Gwyneth Paltrow. Thanks for sharing. It's about yeah. a guy who attends a, 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 an SAA group, a Sex Addicts Anonymous group. And I think that it really kind of shows the extreme that some go to to avoid it, but then how they're really just white knuckling and repressing their urges. And it shows them basically act out in a really ugly way because you know it's, it's like a beach ball when we repress our sexual energies. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's like shoving a beach ball to the bottom of a swimming pool. And if you slightly lose your grip, it comes exploding back up, not to the surface of the water, but up into the air, comes crashing back down, creates all these ripple effects. It's a really powerful movie that I, I do think that it, it's good. It has a great message about how addictive porn can be, but it also brings balance to the conversation that one can take recovery so far that you wind up doing the very things that you were trying to avoid doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 You know, I I think that's where the, 
again, this may need a deeper conversation, but I think this is where the uh, infidelity resulted to. Um, yeah, it's a good yeah. movie. It also has Tim Robbins, and um, it's got a whole bunch of people in it. Uh, get uh, Josh Gad. Pink. Um, Pink. Yeah, we can't, yeah, we can't, that's right. We can't leave out Pink. Yeah. She's awesome. I know. This is all the time we have. This is Ryan, and I want to say a special thanks to Shannon and Nate on this episode. Porn is one of the most volatile issues in a relationship and extremely difficult to discuss honestly. And I have a great appreciation for individuals and groups who are willing to have more than a just-don't-do-it approach. And if you've been white-knuckling it, find a counselor or coach and get into the meaning of your porn use. And of course, there's so much more that can be said on this topic, and I assure you, we will circle back around to it later in other episodes and seasons. But if you think there was something important that wasn't said, or you want to join your story to this conversation, you can email us at info at touchpodcast.com or tweet us at touch underscore cast. We would love to hear from you. Hey listeners, you may not know this, but Ryan Clark has a consulting company. It's called Next Good. And this is how he helps individuals and organizations rewrite their futures by becoming actors in their own comedy. You'll learn how to collaborate, experiment, and play with your fellow cast members as you all move forward in life toward your ultimate goals. Go to ournextgood.com for more information. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Navarro. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.